at Chatsworth High School in Los Angeles. There's a teacher who's known as Mr. Memorial. He has spent <clears throat> over $200,000 of his personal money, obviously part of that retirement, seeking families who've lost loved ones while serving our country. And he has spent that money, and he's called it his, his mission, and his name is Brian Rooney. Brian has this mission to communicate with those families. And where it all began, it all began back in Vietnam. You see, Brian Rooney served as a medic in Vietnam. And there's one particular gentleman that he had to attend to, and he, he had to um, try to bring him back to stability health-wise, but he was fading fast. And as he was trying to read this soldier's dog tags, get his, ne get his name, be able to communicate with him, the soldier pulled him close, and he simply said, remember me. Remember me. Remember what I did. That affected Brian Rooney greatly because just in a matter of moments, that soldier passed away. And so he has taken on himself to communicate to people who have lost loved ones to make sure that they are recognized, that they are remembered. Because you know what? We all want to be remembered. We all want to be remembered for something. And so at this time, and I'm not sure what kind of representation we have here. I know we have some people who have served in our armed forces. And, uh, but today, I really want to focus on if you have uh, a family member uh, that you have lost or is no longer with us, uh, who has served in any of the armed forces, uh, would you please stand at this time? You could just remain standing, just remain standing. We're all going to just uh, pray here just a second. What we're going to do is going to pray for not only you guys and your families, but pray for all of those families because uh, it seems to happen every week. There's a, there's a soldier who is falling. So let's, let's join together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the freedom that we have in you. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for the freedom we have in our country. And if it not were for the brave men and women who gave their life for our freedom, we would most likely not be able to be worshiping in this building right now. So, Lord, we give you thanks for that. And, Lord, we, we ask you, Father, that you bless these families that are standing here. Maybe it's been a while. Maybe they just, uh, they, they've lost them fairly recently or maybe many years down the road. But I pray, Father, that you that you uh, comfort them and their um, extended family. 
Father, we also pray for those families right now who have um, sons and daughters who are fighting and uh, some who have fallen recently. We ask your Lord for your comfort and your care and your peace. Let people be drawn to you during this time. Let them find that hope that only you can give. And we pray, Father, that you protect our servicemen and women as they fight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give them another hand as they sit down. Thank you, guys. Well, we are all trying to find, it seems like, our identity. You know, it seems like there's, uh, everybody kind of wants to be famous. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what students do on, on social media. Whatever it takes to get famous. Because there, you, you, and, and adults, we kind of do the same thing, don't we? We're like, man, 100 likes. That's, that's pretty good. Man, 20 shares. Man, that's awesome. You know, this past Christmas, we had a uh, sort of a fun little family Christmas video that we did. Most of you probably have seen that. And we're like, man, this is like up to 7,000 likes and, and views and, and lots of shares. And we're like, hey, maybe, you know, maybe we can get, get on Ellen's show, you know, and she'd come in and like give us a new car, you know, and, you know, she kind of does all that stuff. I mean, I don't really watch her, but that's kind of what I heard, heard about her. But, but either way, but just be famous. Get on Jimmy Fallon or whatever. And like, hey, maybe it could happen, you know. So we had all these kind of talks about that video, and it was fun talk. I mean, we knew we weren't going any, place, any places with that, but it was fun to just talk about it because we all kind of want to be a little bit famous. We want to be known for something because many people ask this question, and you have probably asked this as well as I have. Do I matter? Do I matter in this life? And you may have asked it as an adult. Adults, you may have asked it as students. Students who are sitting in this room, you may have asked yourself that question. Do I matter? Do I matter? I mean, it seems like the only thing I matter, I do, I got to go to school. I got to do chores. You know, I've got all these rules. And I, I can't spend a bunch of money because I don't really make much money. Do I even matter? And so that question, do I matter, is a question that we are slowly but surely going to answer over these uh, next few weeks in this sermon series called, Do I Matter? And it's based upon the book of Ephesians. Last week, um, Jackson did a great job as our students uh, led, in, um, led in worship and were serving in different areas, and, um, and then Jackson uh, spoke and they did such an awesome job. And so he introduced this series last week in Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, basically, he, he, the, the premise was that you matter because you matter to God. Let's get that one thing straight. And that's what Ephesians 1 uh, talks about. We matter to God. Because we are, um, we are blessed. We are chosen. We are forgiven. We have a purpose. We have an inheritance from the Lord. And we are sealed. So he talked about we matter because we matter to God. Well, this week in chapter 2, we're going to get into we matter because you matter to a greater purpose. 
You matter to a greater purpose. Now you say, okay, I've heard a lot of this about purpose. What's my purpose? And I know my purpose is to glorify God. And actually recently we, uh, we visited that in, in uh, one week in our sermon series. But I'm gonna, we're going to dive into a little bit more deeper and, and look at it from another, another different angle as to why you matter for a greater purpose. And just like Brian Rooney, who went around, that medic who went around and he found his purpose and he had a greater calling in and he was doing some amazing things. Now, he may not be famous, but it's not about being famous. It's about understanding why we matter. Well, soldiers probably have a greater purpose in their job than any, than any job you can think of. I mean, they have a specific uh, goal. They have a specific purpose. Protect our country at home and abroad. So uh, protect our people. And uh, so their purpose is wound up in, in something that uh, involves millions and millions of people. Well, with that purpose, they also have the thought that they could lay down their life for us as part of that purpose. And so it's interesting to think that the freedom that you and I have, the freedom that we, can, we have in here to, to worship in this facility, we could take that for granted so many times. The freedom that we have just to be able to go to the store, to buy a car, to get a job, the, the, to, to, to live where we live, the freedom that we have, we take for granted, and we don't realize sometimes that you and I, we, we stand as people who have received a gift for which we have paid little. Actually, we paid very little. And, but we've received that gift from people who paid the ultimate price for it, and they gave their life. So what, what can I say in the face of such staggering generosity? You know, I've not personally suffered in war. I've not personally fought in that. And so that is sort of strange to me because I don't, I'm not around it. And so I know many times I live my day just not understanding that someone has given their life for my freedom. Something that I didn't deserve. It's something that I did nothing to get. It's a free gift. A free gift. We look at that, how Christ and what Christ did for us. Christ did the same thing. Christ gave us freedom from sin. And he gave us a free gift and we did nothing to deserve it. And we did nothing to earn it. In fact, we can't do anything to earn this free gift. Why? Because it is a gift. And Jesus was the only person who could give it. And it, just like a soldier, he gave his life. He gave his life for our freedom. And so we're going we're gonna to start in, um, in Ephesians chapter 2. If you have your copy of God's Word, 
Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to just read this chapter, and we're going to talk about what it means to have a greater purpose um, and why we matter to God. So in uh, verse 1 through 3 in Ephesians, and if you have um, the Version Bible app, they've kind of changed it a little bit to where... Um, you just go to the word more on your app. You go, to the, you go to where it says more and go to where it says events, and we're right there, Lake Point Church. So you can uh, follow along there, or we have it on the screen as well. So here it is, um, chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. As for you, this is Paul talking to the uh, people of Ephesus. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and, and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, as I read this passage, this, this, this book, know this, that the words of God are going to be much more powerful than my words. So I'm going to do everything I can to try to move myself out of the way and just let Holy Scripture talk. Because Scripture affects lives eternally. And Scripture, God's Word, is what calls them people to the Lord to have a relationship with him. So in this first three um, verses, Paul is saying that we are saved from something. We are saved from something. Because he said, as you were, you were dead in your transgressions in sin. So we were dead in our transgressions. We are saved from death, we are saved from our sins. So we are saved from something. And all of us who lived among them at once, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So we say, look, we, we've all sinned. We've all been living this life. We are all follow. And we uh, our own ways, and we all have a bent towards sin. And so, but Jesus came and saved us from something. Verse 4, 4 through 9, says this, But because of his great love for us. Now, the word but is very important. However, but, although, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, we sing about mercy today, rich in mercy, made us alive. We sing a song called Alive today. Made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. 
For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we have new life in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. And we walk in that newness. And it talks about walking in that newness in, in Romans chapter, uh, chapter 6. But we have been saved from something in verses 1 through 3. But in these verses 4 through 9, we've been saved by something and through something. What have we been saved by? We've been saved by, first of all, the love of God because of his great love for us, because of his love for us. If we could just understand and, and try to get our heads around his love for us, because he loved us so much, he saved us. We are saved by his love. And we are made alive in Christ, and it is by grace, there it is, by grace, we are saved, free gift, salvation, through faith. You know, you and I could talk all day about how God saved us. In fact, there's lots of people in this world who believe in Jesus Christ. He believes that Jesus Christ died on the cross, believe that Jesus loves them, believe that Jesus um, gave his grace, gave his mercy to us. We are saved by his grace, but there's a whole nother step that we have got to take, and people never hardly take it. It's by grace through what? Through faith. Through faith. Faith is very, very important to our salvation. Because if we don't have faith, then we don't have that belief and action. Because, see, faith is our belief with feet. It's our belief with feet. It's, it's what we do, how we live, and knowing that Christ saved us. Even when we are dead in our, even when we're, we, we've uh, uh, stumbled and, and, and we fall and we mess up, and we can say, Jesus, I, I know, God, that, that you love us. Do you love me? Please forgive me. I'm sorry for this. And by faith, I believe that you're giving me a second chance, a third chance. You want what's best for me, and I'm going to follow you. Because the fact that you're here today shows your faith. You can't see Jesus. You can't see the Holy Spirit. What is the proof that the Holy Spirit is in here? What's the proof? There's no way we can have some sort of, you know, meter or have some sort of, you know, backpack like Ghostbusters and some sort of, you know, way to kind of figure out, is the Holy Spirit here? No. Why, how do we know that the Holy Spirit is here? Faith. We believe. Because the Bible says where two or three or more are gathered, and there we go. I think we're fixing that. Where two or three or more are gathered 
in my name, in the name of Jesus, then I will be there in their midst. And that is faith. Okay? It's not like Jesus shows up in the flesh. Because then that wouldn't really be faith. Faith is, is believing and not even seeing. So we are saved by grace through faith. And it is not by works so that no one can boast. No one can boast about how, how good you have been, how good I have been to earn salvation. It is not based upon what we do. Isn't that great? Because let me tell you something. It's based upon what you could do. You'd be going to hell. I say that. I'd be going to hell. Because if we're trying to be good, we cannot live this life in this sinful world without a Savior. And so that's what Jesus did. And so we are saved through, by faith, by grace, through faith, not by our works, so that no one can boast. So we are saved for, from something, saved from death, saved from our transgressions, saved by and through something. And then in verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we are saved for something. Now, if you're, if you're looking for a reason why you matter, verse 10 is your answer. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has a plan, an advanced plan for you to do great things, for you to do good works. And so if you're looking for a purpose, if you're looking for a reason why you matter, that right there is a great reason why you matter in this world. And so we are saved from something from death, our sins, by grace, through faith, for God's handiwork and for God's work that he has uh, prepared for us to do. So you do matter to God. You do matter to his great purpose. You matter to a deeper purpose. Rather than just driving to work, going to school, searching the internet, looking at Facebook, there's so much more to life than those things. And you matter, especially as a believer, God has great plans for you. And so as we go on into, into um, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, 11 through 22, we're going to understand why God loves to take us as people and to, uh, and to mold us into his, into his workmanship. And so in, um, if you can realize almost like a, a um, someone who's coming in to, to remodel a house, okay? If you have this house and it's, it's in bad shape, you've got to do, um, do some demolition work. I remember when uh, I took a, a youth group back in New Orleans right after Katrina, 
uh, hit New Orleans. And just a few weeks after that, our church youth group went down there. And we didn't really minister to people because all the people were gone. <laughs> the only thing that was left were houses that had um, about two feet of dirt in it because of the mud that came through. And so what we had to do is we had, to, we had a full week of shoveling dirt, putting it out of the, uh, out of the house, and taking the sheetrock off um, of, the, of the framework of the house, the studs of the room and, and the walls. And so basically we got it to the point to where that house had nothing in it except for the framework, the wood structure of the house, had the roof, and, of course, the foundation that had, had a bunch of mud in it. And it was a lot of work. And our students were like, wow, this is a fun mission trip. <laughs> but, you know, we, people are now living in those homes, which is awesome. But that sometimes what God does for us, we get to the point to where we don't watch things in our lives and things in our lives, we try to hold it at bay, send things in our lives. And, and uh, sometimes the levees break and infiltrates our life and causes lots of destruction. And when those levees break, it's not pretty. And it's not a great sight. But what God wants to do, his mission work, is he wants to come into our hearts, to our broken lives... No matter what damage has been done, he wants to come into your life and he wants to do some demolition. So well, that doesn't sound fun. Well, in order for those houses in New Orleans to have people to live in them, to be occupied, we had to do some demolition. And so God wants to do demolition in your broken life. And in verses 11 through 18, it talks about that. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, and without God in the world. So let me stop there real quick. So what he's doing is this letter is going to the Gentile Christians. So, so, just, so you understand, you got Jews who are God's chosen people. He used a Jewish family, the Jewish nation, to show forth his power, his might, his, um, his discipline when they went astray. But then you also have the Gentiles, and the Gentiles are everybody else that's not Jews, okay? So like, for instance, the Romans at that time in that part of the country, and what Paul's writing, the Romans are Gentiles. And so what he is saying is, you Gentiles who have now become believers in Jesus Christ, I know you're not Jew, and Gentiles, I mean, Jews have this, you know, uh, mark made by human hands to say, hey, we are special, okay? And so they felt like they were separated, uh, the Gentiles did, they were separated uh, from, um, from Christ, from God be because of that. But he's saying, look, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ in your sin, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise 
without hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Don't you love that? You've been drawn, you've been brought near to the Father. You were living a horrible life. You were living in sin. You were going astray, and you were living without hope. But because of the love of Christ and because of the blood of Christ, he's drawn us in. For he himself is our peace. He, um, who has made the two groups one, Gentiles and Jews, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were very near For through him, we have both access to the Father by one spirit. God is doing some demolition work. He's tearing down walls between Jews and Gentiles. Let me put this in today's perspective. I know we don't really talk too much in our society, in our culture, in America, about Jews and Gentiles. I don't really use the word Gentiles unless I'm talking about biblical things. You know, I don't. I don't say, hey, my friend Gentile. I don't say that. But let's put it in this perspective. Jews were, were the, the special group of people, God's people, God's chosen. They went to synagogues. You know, they, they, they went to worship. And then he had everybody else. So let's put it in today's perspective. As Christians, sort of the world thinks, oh, well, they're kind of God's people and they go to church and they worship God and they think they're too good and, and that kind of stuff. Can I tell you something? God is saying, I love you and I love the person that I spent time with this week trying to find a motel for his family. God says, I love him just as equal. So, Frank, you're, you're this pastor. You, you love me. I know that. I love you. But this person who is filthy and stinky and uneducated, I love him just as much. But I'm a pastor. I know that, but I love him just as much. Yeah, he's unsaved. He's an outcast, but I love him just as much. So I just wanted to kind of let you in on a conversation that God and I had this week. To never think that the dirty, the stinky, the uneducated, the rude, 
whatever you want to call it, that God has cast them off. God is saying, I'm tearing down walls. So we need to do everything we can as a church to tear down some walls. We need to do everything we can to tear down some walls and reach people. And we do things in our community. We do lots of things. But we can't just be event-driven. It's got to be purposeful. You have to do it. I have to do it on an individual basis. On an individual basis. Talking to people, telling people, hey, come to church. You're welcome to come. You're just come dress casual. You don't have to know the songs. I don't know the songs either. We're always doing new songs, you know? You know, just whatever. You don't have to give, you know, just, just come. Just, just let God speak to you. So tear down the walls. That's what God wants to do. He wants to do some demolition. And he wants to do some demolition in your life as well. God did some demolition in my life with that conversation. Because let me tell you something. I had a bad attitude. You can ask my wife. I had a bad attitude. Why? Because it took time. It took time at first. I was like, no, this is, this is taking a lot of time. I'm just being real, you know, I'm just being frank with you guys, all right? So it took extra time. I was already behind schedule with some things. And you can ask some of the, the ladies that work in our office. I was gone for an hour. They were like, are you okay? <laughs> yes, I'm okay. But during that hour, God did some demolition work in my heart. So God wants to do demolition work in your heart. And then comes the construction that we find in verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So he's saying, look, I'm the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. I am the cornerstone, and I will build my church on this on this cornerstone of faith and on what the apostles and the prophets, the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Paul is an, is an apostle. He wrote the book of the letter of Ephesians. And so because of letters like this and other places in Scripture, Paul is reminding us that, look, Jesus Christ is building, he's constructing things built upon what the apostles and the prophets have said. So we are no longer foreigners and strangers. We are fellow citizens in God's people and members of his household. He wants to do construction in your life and to build up 
people in your life. So if there's people in your life that God is saying, I want them to be added to what you are trying to do. I want you to include them into what I have you doing. That could be God saying, look, make room for them. Make room for them. Let's do some construction. You know, we have a, we have a large family. And as kids get old enough to where, you know, they can kind of have their own room and that kind of stuff. And we had three boys sharing one room. And it just got to the point where, okay, we need to create another space. And so we just add another room in the basement. We did some construction to, to, in order to have a place for one of our boys to have a bedroom. Well, God wants to do construction in your heart to include people, outsiders, non-believers, to come in and you make room for them. And then in verse 22, as we close, and in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. God wants to move in. God wants to move in. We have to have some demolition in our life by God. We need to have some construction in our life by God, and then God wants to move in. Because let me tell you something. Because of that story that I shared with you with that family, God is able to move in another area in my heart because now I know, ooh, ow, that hurt. Oh, no, God. Okay, I understand. I get it. Demolition. Now he's constructing a new room, a new place. And to understand, look, Frank, I don't care what you're doing for me. What you're doing for me matters diddly squat compared to those who I send at your door to take care of. I'm glad you have your to-do list. I'm glad you're doing that. That's fine. But that's not nearly as important as this. And so, with that construction in my heart, God is moving into that area in my heart. So let me ask you this as we close this thing out. As you ask the question, do I matter? Well, yes, you matter to God, and you matter to a greater purpose. You were, you were saved from something, by something, through something by grace through faith for God's purpose. Why? Because God wants to do some construction in your heart. God wants to do some construction in your life and to make room for him. Is there an area in your heart that you have kind of blocked God out of? Is there an area in your heart that you're like, okay, God, these, this is boarded up. God wants to tear those down. God wants to reconstruct something new in your life. And he wants to move into that area that you've not allowed God to move in. So what we're going to do, we're just going to have, I'm just going to say a prayer.